Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guests today is uh, Pat Flynn and Matt Gartland. Pat and Matt, I'm going to stumble on that, I know, again, but welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, Pat and Matt. It's a it's a mouthful sometimes. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be so hard as I was putting (laughs) the notes together, but it is going to be a challenge. But Pat and Matt are here to share their entrepreneurial experiences, how they built and grew their business. Uh, Many of you probably have heard of Pat Flynn. Of you are podcasters, you may have heard as Matt as well. But they they've are all about the creator economy and how they have served that that space, which they, they I think, did you guys come up with that term or is that a term that kind of you've made popular, the creator economy? Oh, I don't, it's definitely not us, but um, it's sort of what has become of where we started, which was like the blogosphere, podcasting, YouTube, all those things wrapped into one. We're definitely not the creators of that uh, term, but we're here to serve that community. Yeah, and certainly have popularized it. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about how Matt and Pat work together as partners now in their business. That's always a curious and, and informative topic for me. I prefer to work in partnerships. A lot of people uh, choose to work in partnerships, but there's benefits and challenges. Mm-hmm. But if you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode and how you can continue to support my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, just visit thehowabusiness.com. So let me tell you a little bit more about Matt and Pat. Matt Gartland is a five-time startup founder and co-founder with three meaningful exits to date. Today, Matt serves as CEO of SPI Media, a venture he co-founded with good friend Pat Flynn to take the SPI business to the next level. His entrepreneurial career spans digital media, e-commerce, and the creator economy. Beyond his own ventures, Matt is an advisor to and four angel investors in such tech companies as Circle. Is it Karat? How you pronounce that? Yeah, that's Carrot, uh, actually. Carrot. It, 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 yep. And what, what do they do? I'm curious. It's really interesting. They're a financial technology company, so fintech, uh, but servicing creators. So there's a really interesting, and uh, don't mean to elaborate too far on the point here, but there's a really interesting intersection uh, kind of just within the market uh, between technology, especially fin- fintech and creators. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing there. So investor in tech companies has a circle, uh, Carrot, Maven, and Supercast. Pat Flynn is a father, a husband, and an entrepreneur who lives and works in San Diego, California. He owns several successful online businesses and is a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal, best-selling author, and host of the Smart Passive Income. So SPI is an acronym for SMART passive income and also ask pat podcast as, as well as other shows that you'll find at S, at the spi website which have earned a combined total of an unbelievable 80 million and counting downloads multiple awards and features in publications such as the new york times and forbes he's also an advisor to convertkit circle and several other companies in the digital marketing arena so with all of that, again, Pat Flynn and Matt Gartland, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you again, Henry. 
So where I usually start with, I'll start with Matt, is I'm always very curious as to how you got to where you are today. And it's always fascinating. You know, my audience uh, is either someone who's aspiring to become an entrepreneur. They're probably in the corporate world like I was and looking for how do they make that transition. And sometimes it's it's uh, really looking for that inspiration. I know it was for me because it's that leap of faith that we have to take at some point. But Matt, if if I got the research right, you had a career. I mean, you studied IT and had a career in IT before you started your first business, correct? That's exactly correct. Yeah. Uh, I didn't uh, co-found uh, or start the SPI brand in its heyday. We'll maybe drift into that. That was all Pat. Um, but I got into entrepreneurship after a successful corporate career. Uh, I did well academically, was was very proud and grateful to have gotten into a leadership development program, um, specifically with Johnson & Johnson in, in the healthcare sector. Uh, and that really just deepened my fascination with what it is to be a servant leader, uh, which is an established sort of uh, type of leadership. Um, lots of uh, important and successful people talk about servant leadership as a concept. So yeah, did well there and, and ultimately loved, yes, technology, but, but not like building computers or anything that uh, was too deep into uh, the like hardware or computer science side of things. It was always kind of the exploration uh, of how do we use progressive technologies, web technologies, software to enable uh, and ultimately deliver on a business purpose. So I would work with you know, business partners in sales and marketing and increasingly like the executive functions to imagine, you know, what could be possible uh, with, you know, new technology. So that was my corporate career. And then eventually, just because I was always an entrepreneur at heart, I was the kid with the lemonade stand. You know, I know it's a cliche, but, you know, like ultimately I wanted to do my own thing. So so I made that that leap of faith, as even you said, you know, to, to get out and start doing my own thing. Um, right. And it was just fortuitous. I'm so grateful. You know, as Pat even mentioned uh, in the intro, like the early days of the blogosphere, which was sort of that perfect intersection of, you know, progressive uh, online technology with then, you know, what's possible uh, in terms of an entrepreneurial vision and spirit. So that's how I got started. Um, my first venture was uh, a creative agency, and, and that grew very well. And that's what led me to meeting Pat. When did you, you say you were always an entrepreneur at heart, but Nonetheless, you you got a traditional education, went into the corporate world. Did you know even in early days, I'm going to get what I need from this and then make the transition? Or what was it, it, it was early on? It was not a straight path. It definitely wasn't a straight path. No, for sure. Um, I always had the motivation to do things on the side, to be experimental. And even in my academic career, I was yes, studying technology in a lot of different capacities, uh, but then was electively taking classes in media and uh, uh, history. Uh, I'm fascinated with ancient civilizations and studying the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians, right? Um, so there's there's always this kind of pull towards uh, one might just call it content and storytelling, right? Uh, in a certain regard, uh, and then I would be finding ways to write and to even you know dabble with blogging in the various early stages uh, before I even made that decision honestly, to leave. Uh, but with, I had a great fortune of having mentors and some friends along the way that just continued to shape my thinking, uh, mm -hmm. honestly, around like what, what's possible for a career, for the impact that I wanted to make uh, through a career, right, on, on people. Um, and then ultimately to obviously provide for a family uh, later in my life. So all of those things started to line up to where, and it, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, it was a hard decision to leave like a great corporate career. I'm sure right. you've dealt with that as well. 
you know, um, but it, I knew it to be just kind of honestly in my core is like, this is what I had to do. So made that decision. I'm grateful for it and, and haven't looked back. Do you, uh, do you feel like uh, looking back, would you have done it sooner or was that all part of the preparation to getting you ready? And do you, and do you leverage that knowledge that you gained in that corporate environment still today? There's definitely things I would have done differently and, and hopefully better um, in terms of just, it's so hard to manage relationships uh, oftentimes when you're making significant changes. Uh, I know that I, I disappointed some people just to be straight up, you know, that were investing into me as a future leader of, you know, obviously a rather large, you know, organization uh, with a lot of, you know, companies inside the J&J portfolio. And, you know, I was on a track for that. Uh, so, so it's hard to, to manage and maintain some of those relationships when, when you're saying kind of goodbye to, to that as a trajectory and, and going on to something else. So, so there's definitely things I, I could have done better. And I think that's just a part of, I guess, growing up by itself, uh, in life and, and certainly, you know, professionalism, uh, and, and whatnot. I think I did it well, but uh, again, I would, you know, always, uh, be self-reflective and, and try to do things differently. But in terms of our overall timing, I think I actually did candidly do that pretty well. I didn't get too far down the road. Also in terms of life, like I hadn't gotten married yet. I hadn't started kids. So it was important that I get out before some of those other really big commitments in, in life, generally speaking, uh, might've been really kind of kept me there. Uh, and for right. good reason, uh, might've kept me there on my corporate career. Yeah. But it, but it sounds like if I'm getting it right though, Matt, that, that creative nature in you at some point was going to reach a ceiling in that environment. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there's uh, quickly here some some parallel even with Pat stuff because like in, you know in that moment in like I guess life and even you know the internet right um, kind of being children of the uh, the Facebook era right you know we, we got our invites to Facebook when we were at college on our .edu email addresses so to speak but uh, like just reading the books of you know Tim Ferriss you know for our work week was seminal I think both the the Pat and me so like. That there's sort of even, um, again, in terms of our story, like something of a, a kindred spirit that we found out later, obviously. But, you know, starting to read these books, kind of opening our eyes to like what's possible with business and creative fulfillment, you know, finding out more about ourselves in terms of our core motivations. How do we satisfy those core motivations, right, with the work that we do? So just reading and reading, you know, Dan Pink's early work, uh, you know, was really, you know, impactful on me uh, as another reference. So. Yeah, so it's hard to like have that totally scripted early on. Um, uh, my entrepreneurial peer, uh, spirit, I guess one could say, just took greater shape and and specificity. You know, as I learned and had more experiences. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Pat. You you know you've shared it on on your podcast. You were an architect, mm-hmm. and if I got it right, it wasn't until you got laid off that that triggered your move into ownership. But uh, where were your aspirations? Did you? think you would be a business owner back when you were in your architecture career? No, I mean, in a sense, actually, yes. I was thinking that in the future, as I was building out my career as an architect, that I was going to own an architectural firm okay. eventually, you know, uh, level up from uh, drafter to senior drafter, job captain, project manager, and then ultimately principal of a firm. That that was the path that I was on. And, and I was definitely on that path. I was doing really well. I was the youngest person in my firm to get promoted to job captain and start to lead a team and all that kind of stuff. And it was a passion of mine. I absolutely loved the work that I was doing. Uh, and then 2008 rolled around and nobody was building anything. Nobody needed any architects. And I 
believe that I was held on as long as possible, but I was eventually let go. And that, that was really difficult because my entire life I had done everything to a T exactly the way I was taught I was supposed to, from getting good grades to going to a, a college, um, magna cum laude, getting a great job, fast forwarding my career there, and then yet I still got let go. And I actually had just proposed to my girlfriend mm. at the time too. So I had this life plan already ahead of me, principle of a firm, family, and then all of a sudden the plans changed in, in a moment's notice. And that was very difficult for me. And I actually went through a, a couple months of depression. I didn't know sure. what I was to do. I, d I had no other plans. Um, and then that's when I discovered podcasts for the first time actually. And there was one particular podcast called Internet Business Mastery. And there was one interview that I heard that changed everything for me. It was, a, it was an interview with a man named Cornelius Fitchner. And he had a business teaching people online how to pass the PM exam or the project management exam. Hmm. And I just, I'd never heard of anything like that before. Somebody who was building an audience and helping professionals pass an exam. And I said to myself, that is so amazing. Wow, I've taken several exams myself on my way to becoming an architect. Might there be a way for me to take that information, turn it into something and do something similar to what Cornelius is doing. And so I ended up building a website called inthelead.com, L-E-E-D, which was an acronym for an exam that was in the architecture space, very niche exam about green buildings and sustainable mm -hmm. design, uh, leadership in energy and uh, environmental design was the name of the exam. And I put all my notes on this website and uh, lo and behold, Google found it and many other people found it as a result. Many of those people shared it and eventually that website became so well known in the space that it was actually on a lot of different United States Green Building Council websites as a resource. Wow. And it just was mind blowing that I could reach people in this way. And eventually I was told uh, in a mastermind group I joined of other internet business owners where I was a small fish in a big pond, they said, Pat, you should write a book and help these people with a study guide. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that. I don't even know <laughs> where I would begin. They just said, just write it in Word and then figure it out from there. And I did that. And then in, in October of 2008, I launched the Lead AP Exam Walkthrough, which was a 70-page study guide that I wrote myself. And I sold it on my website for $19.99. And in that month, I had generated $7,908.55. And it was absolutely life-changing. Wow. Um, that was two and a half times more than I was making as an architect, for one. <laughs> and number two, I thought like the FBI was going to swap my house at any <laughs> moment because it just didn't feel right or real. It felt like a dream. It felt like, how could this be? And the most interesting part was not just the income that was coming in, but the fact that I was getting notes from my students, people writing me these super long emails about just how thankful they were that I was able to create a resource that finally helped them pass this very difficult exam. And then the income continued to grow and grow even more to the point at which in March of 09, it was making 30 to $35,000 a month with what was now uh, a $29 ebook. I had raised the price again, thanks to the people who were, uh, I was involved with in the internet business space. And it was around this time that people were like, Pat, how did you do that? How did you not just survive the Great Recession, but you're thriving in it. And I said, I, I don't even know how, how I did this. I'm just going to start unloading all the things that I've done on, a, on this website called Smart Passive Income just to share everything, all the things I wish I had done differently, how much money I was making, where it was coming from, where I was spending money, and all the mistakes I, did, I, I, I wish I knew about. And 
people caught on on this website. They said, oh my gosh, this person is revealing everything. And look at, he's like real life building a business. He's not just regurgitating what other people have taught. He's doing it himself. And so this caught wind and I started to be guests, uh, guests on different podcasts at this time. And um, people asked me to write guest posts on their blogs. And that of course helped with the reach of this website. And then to fast forward, that turned into a YouTube channel and then a podcast in 2010. I started writing books and that's where Matt and I crossed paths for the first time because I hired his agency to help me write my first book and that's where he and I connected. We had a good vibe and, and we decided to work uh, together more formally from there all the way until 2019, 2020, when we decided to combine forces, combine our companies in, in, in a way. And then Matt uh, has taken the helm as CEO as, as I'm more the sort of creative, uh, you know, podcaster on video kind of person. So that's how we fast forward to sort of how Matt and I work together today. But that was the journey. And it's been a crazy journey. And I'm just looking back, I'm so grateful I got laid off. I, I would not be <laughs> here today. If I was let go, I guarantee it. You needed that that uh, kick in the rear end to make it happen. But as you were first doing all of these other things, Pat, did you think, I'll do this until things turn around and then I'll go back to being an architect? Yes. Oh, absolutely. That, that was the plan because I was like, I just need to survive and then I'll go back to what I had went to school for, right? There's this thing that I learned about later in life called sunk cost fallacy, which is the idea that, well, because I had gone to school for five years for architecture, because I had put five years uh, of my career into it, that I should stay there. But I was presented with a lot of interesting options on my way to entrepreneurship and as an entrepreneur uh, in this space, because now I was basically straddling two ladders. I was, you know, I had one foot and one hand on the corporate ladder and I had one foot and one hand on the entrepreneurial ladder. Mm -hmm. And then I remember in May of 2009, I got a call from my boss who had let me go. He called me to check up on me. And I remember that call very vividly. And he called in and he said, Pat, like, you know, in a very kind of sullen voice, I was like, hey, Pat, how are you? I hope everything's okay. Like, are we cool? Like, I, I'm sorry I had to let you go. And I was like, I'm actually doing pretty good right now. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what? He offered me to come back. He offered me a raise. He offered me a promotion. He told me my friends that I used to work with were going to be working with him too because he branched off and started his own firm as well. And he said that clients that I was working with were ready to start working with me again. It was the best pitch. And honestly, it didn't take me more than a half second to say really? thanks. You, no did thanks. Not, you did not think about it at all. You didn't have to no. think about it. And I, you're, I, you're, I, you were married at that point? Uh, or where were you? In I life? was about to get married at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, no, excuse me. I was married for three months at that point. And at this time, I was still living with my in-laws because we actually moved both my uh, fiance and I had moved back in with our parents in San Diego to save money because we had no money coming in at the time until this mm -hmm. business venture started. But it was my gut reaction to say, no way. I mean, I said it more politely, but then after hanging up, I, I did a check with myself and I was like, whoa, like that was my gut. Like normally my gut reaction to a proposal like that would be, of course, let's do it. Like I'm all in, but my gut reaction was the opposite. So that was the moment, Henry, that I let go of the corporate ladder. And now I had both hands and both mm -hmm. feet on the business ladder. And as a result of that, of course, you can't climb two ladders at the same time. I mean, at least right. not you know, safely. Um, that's when I started to rise really big in the, in the business space. Cause I had my full attention and time and confidence in it. Yeah. You were all in at that point, you know, the getting, I got laid off twice. It took me two times to figure it out, but uh, that definitely <laughs> helps with, 
with shifting for those of us, most of us who, who grow up and are indoctrinated to believe that's the safe route, right? To go right. get that job. You know, and for you, Matt, as well, you worked for an incredibly stable uh, corporation that invests in its people and creates a, an, an even more difficult uh, place to leave because of that perceived safety. But both of you, you're in your case, Pat, it was, you know, you got helped. Matt, in your case, it was, you had the foresight to move on, but this is a, a hard thing to do for most people, right. Is to leave mm -hmm. that perceived safety. And I find that everybody around us at that point in time uh, keeps pushing us in that direction. If for no other reason I have found, then it justifies why they don't take the leap. What are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly right. I mean, there were so many cases, Henry, where people were like, Pat, you're like this business thing you're doing, like you didn't go to architecture or you didn't go to business school. Why are you, why are you doing this? Or go get a real job. I heard that several times. And those were people who had a real job and guess what? Actually weren't that happy and never took the leap themselves. So, you know, I was so upset that I had actually done what everybody else told me to do, you know, and still got let go that I had made the choice and I opted out of that and I opted into well you know what if I if I fail I want it to be because of my own self not because of anything I can't control in this way and of course you can't control everything but I could definitely control my destiny more with the world of entrepreneurship and then eventually I learned that the ceiling as far as what I could potentially earn the freedom I have of time was nowhere in comparison uh, you know to what it would have been uh, if uh, you know, I had stayed in architecture. I have way more time with my family now. I wait, I make way more money than I ever could have as an architect. Um, and I just am much, I think I am much happier than I would have been. I think I would have yeah. made it. I would have been okay, but I'm so grateful right now. Yeah, you know, I get it. And Matt, I'm sure for you, all of those things apply as well as I think what I find for all of us, but particularly for you being that your curiosity, you get to go in the direction that you want to go, right? And you get to explore things that nobody can really limit. I mean, you've got responsibilities now in your role as CEO as at SPI, but I got to think that that's part of what entrepreneurship provides you, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Big plus one to everything that Pat was saying there. And, and for me, it does much, uh, I think, much greater to fill the tank uh, in terms of my own vision and my own kind of motivation, which everyone has things different, uh, but achievement uh, is is one of mine. And, and that emerges in, in every sort of personality test that one can imagine taking. Uh, and I love data. So like I've taken a, a fair bit of these, right? So having the opportunity to make a lot of the decisions to set the path to come up with vision, to work with Pat on vision, um, to then enroll the team, right? Like there's just so much just fulfillment in being able to take something out of your out of your brain and out of your own just will to create it and actually make it real is, yeah, the, I, I have not come across a substitute, at least in a like working professional capacity. Um, I mean, only parenthood I think is is like better <laughs> than that, right? right. Honestly. Um, but yeah, in, in, in strictly speaking, like a career sense, uh, I think creating something of your own imagination, making it real, having that deliver the value uh, to others in the way that you want. Um, you know, obviously tremendous respect for everyone that still has a corporate career, but, but for me, and, and as I continue to learn again through, uh, through my early career, um, my own motivations learn more just about myself. Yeah. It was uh, the right call for me. 
Yeah, well said. So speaking of working together, let's explore that a bit now. If I if I understood correctly, I think you shared this maybe in another podcast. You you've been part of at least seven co-foundings. So you've worked yeah. with others before. Uh, I find I've come to realize that I think we are either as entrepreneurs, people who like to be lone wolves, or we work better in partnerships. I tend to work better in partnerships. Is that what you found out for yourself early on? Or why is it that you have ended up working with partners more so than by yourself? That's a very important component. It's true for me. It won't be true for everyone. Uh, the the seven plus you, know, you might be referring to when Pat and I showed up on uh, Jason Pfeiffer's podcast. Who's That's the, probably uh, so, editor. yeah editor-in-chief of uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, but um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I, I want to be kind of clear with this part of the story, but I've always, and still to this day, and and with with a with great, obviously, reflection on that, uh, I have that romantic sort of notion about partnership, right? That you can achieve more together uh, as a unit, right, than you can individually. Uh, I, I do believe that uh, I'm talented on a lot of fronts, but certainly not everything. Uh, much like even in personal life, hopefully, um, you know, you, you look for friendships and partnerships and things, right, that to help you achieve uh, your best, and and then you can help bring out the best in someone else, also. So I that might sound corny, but I just honestly have always been kind of motivated that way. Um, probably even in part goes back to my fascination with, you know, Joseph Campbell and the monomyth and storytelling and just all these things we talked about with like the hero's journey and transformations and things. I, I think that's important. Uh, and it, it's what did compel me to, you know, forge different partnerships through my career. Some ended well, uh, one at least didn't end well at all, but all of that I'm grateful for, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, as entrepreneurs, it's always a roller coaster and you take the bumps. Um, I've had you know more wins than losses and ultimately it led me to path, you know, to, you know, at this point, you know, we've been friends for over a decade, uh, we're partners in actually two different companies, um, there's a lot on the horizon for us, you know, in the future. So there's no chance in heck, you know, that I'd be here today, or I, I'd even go as far as to at least offer that thought up for Pat, right? If if we hadn't kind of done this stuff together and kind of you know learned these ropes. So uh, yeah, clearly I'm a big proponent of uh, the promise and the, and the value of uh, pursuing partnerships. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That, that definitely resonates with me. Uh, Pat, you know, as you, we've already chatted, you have got the math right for about the first 10 years, very successful. We're doing this on your own. Why? And I know, of course, uh, he was a, 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 you were a client of his, but what mm -hmm. brought you to decide to now partner? When I started business, I was definitely one to, to, to tell myself that, you know, I could do this all on my own. Yeah. Right. E even very early on, there were a lot of moments where I could have gotten help and I just denied it because I was like, no, I could figure this out. And, you know, I have the ability to do this. And, you know, uh, certain things I even said, like, nobody could do this better than me, like with editing my show. Like, I, it has to be done my way. All these kinds of things. And slowly over time, I've realized that that's the absolute wrong way to think about it. In fact, I have to credit my friend Chris Ducker who uh, was once known as the virtual assistant guy, if you will. Mm. He uh, is one of my best friends. And for years, he was like, dude, Pat, you're going to burn out, bro. You're going to you're going to like not have time for things because you you keep saying yes to all the things because I know you, but you need to get help. And I was like, no, nah, I can figure it out. Like I can build systems. I can automate. And I could to a point. And, um, you know, I, I thankfully I never got to the point of, of terrible burnout, but there were moments where things were getting hard and, you know, I would look at my inbox and there were 10,000 unread emails and I noticed that I couldn't do certain things like start a new podcast because I just literally didn't have the time. 
So I remember the very first significant thing that happened, and this was thanks to Matt as well. He introduced me to somebody named Mindy, who's on our team today, uh, but she initially came on board to help me edit a brand new show. And this was one that would never have happened if it wasn't for this hired help. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll see what it's like to have somebody else like work on my stuff. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw what happened, for example, I gained like six hours of time back because I also let her uh, edit my other show too. Um, I was like, oh, dude, I should have done this earlier. Um, what else can I hand off now? And I started to almost become obsessive with, well, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? And uh, a lot of advice came from my buddy, Chris. And in fact, one of the things that he helped with the most was uh, this thing called the three lists of freedom. It's, it's an exercise that he has in his book, Virtual Freedom. And the three lists of freedom is you create a, a you create three lists. One list is things that you you know have to do in your business that uh, you do, but you don't like really enjoy. Another list is what are the things that you just can't do that you know you have to do. So those are good two good lists that you know help you understand. Okay, well these are things I can hand off. But the big one, the moneymaker one, is list number three, which is what are the things you do in your business that you actually enjoy and love but you probably shouldn't do as, as a business owner, hmm. right? And that was the big one because those were things that I could hand off that gave me a lot of leverage back, especially uh, with time and then where I could put it then into places that only I could do. You know, if I'm the host of my podcast, only I could host my podcast or that's how the podcast is run. So editing, other people can do that. And even if it's 85% as well as you could do it, it's still worth doing. But what I found out is that there are people who could do things better and faster than me. So it's like a win all around. And they enjoy doing those things, right? And I remember when Matt and I started working together, I was his client, his team, and and, and he had done an amazing job at project managing a lot of the big ideas that I had. And we executed on a lot of things together. And, you know, Matt started to get a little bit more involved in the business to a point where he was understanding more about how I ran my finances and how I plan certain things. And I'm more of a visionary type person, less of an integrator. And I'm very much more of a scrappy kind of creator versus somebody who uh, project plans and, and, you know, figures everything out ahead of time. And Matt's like kind of the opposite. I mean, he'll create spreadsheets about things that are completely unnecessary, which is totally fine. Uh, And I love you for it, Matt. But, you know, with our forces combined, we were like, just continued to talk and continued to build this relationship. We had been working together for years. Uh, It got to a point just a few years ago where it just made sense on paper to have the ability for me to not just be a client of his, but actually, you know, essentially be like the 100% client, the only client that he works with. Uh, and, And for that to happen, I acquired his company and his team. And Matt then came on board as CEO to better uh, sort of help manage the team and project manage so that I can do more of the creation side of things, which I love to do, um, be more on camera, be more on the microphone. And it just it just worked out really, really well. Um, and then we knew that we were going to be working well together because we had been working together already. It's almost as if yeah. we had been dating for this many years. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you know, I, I got down on one knee and I was like, Matt, will you marry me uh, <laughs> as a business owner? Um, and yeah, and, and, and so that's where we're at now. And I think this sort of, this sort of uh, visionary plus integrator kind of combo. This is something that's spoken about in a book called Rocket Fuel, which is really amazing. And it talks about these partnerships that often happen in very successful companies. One person being more of a visionary, maybe like thinking almost too big sometimes, an integrator coming in and saying, okay, well, if you want that to happen, this is how it happens. This is who we need to hire. This is how the numbers work out. Like, 
almost kind of like the difference between an architect and an engineer, right? An architect will come up with a crazy building idea and an engineer will be like, okay, that's cool. It'll cost this much, but maybe we can take this part of the building off, but then add this thing, which still fulfills the role of the client and then boom, it, you know, it's good. Now, the thing that I've learned in the architecture field is architects and engineers don't always get along. Thankfully, right. Matt and I have worked on communication. We know how to get along. Even if things don't align, we know how to get through them together, which is really important. And Matt has taught me a lot about that. I think that's come a lot from his leadership development in his career previous to entrepreneurship and even during entrepreneurship. He's taught me a lot about how to run teams, how to, how to communicate and all those kinds of things that I just never knew how to do because I was essentially a lone wolf for a while. So that that's how that happened. So who plays the role of the visionary and who is primarily the integrator? I mean, primarily, I would say Matt is the integrator. I think we both do vision really, really well. I came on primarily as the visionary, but then Matt has had so much to offer as far as new ideas as well. And the cool thing about Matt is he'll come up with these new ideas that are big and grand, but then he'll also have a plan for them, which is cool. Me, sometimes I'll come up with a big idea and plan, and then the team's like, whoa, whoa, Pat, like slow down a little bit. You're, you're going kind of wild here. And uh, that's kind of the, the, the fun thing. It's almost become a joke. Um, but again, if I just have these big ideas, it's one thing. And yes, I could probably execute on, uh, on them in, in some capacity, but to have a team of people who understand how to put these thing, things together, especially Matt, but then everybody else who who Matt and I have hired, um, it's become a, a perfect combo of people in the right roles to ultimately best serve our audience of, of uh, people who wanna become entrepreneurs. And it's, it's just been an amazing ride. So there's no doubt, and in my experience, um, curious as your thoughts, you know, some of the keys to a successful partnership, you have to have trust and respect. It sounds like that was there because you've had, you had had that working relationship. And then the other component I found is always important is that clear understanding of roles and responsibility, that that's some level of delineation. So tell me about that, Matt, if you would, do you feel like you too, clearly discussed and identified and continue to do so because I'm sure it's an ongoing thing as to who's doing what, who's responsible for what. It is absolutely organic. So it still continues. Um, but ultimately, yes, uh, it's important to, to be clear, especially within uh, the stage that the business is in, like the life cycle uh, stage of that business, how those responsibilities change, uh, even naturally. Uh, and sometimes even in ways that like we can't control just like, okay, here's, here's where clearly the business is going and we need to be conscious, uh, and aware of that. Right. Um, and I think that that's an important additional kind of component as we're talking about visionaries and integrators and, and how we make this work is that these aren't one-time decisions. Uh, now you don't revisit these decisions, you know, every week or every month, but, as there is growth uh, and maturity, uh, mature growth, like within a team, within an organization, within a company, you know, we have to assess for these things uh, in terms of making sure that the team is set up for success, ensure that, you know, Pat's interests and in, in mine remain aligned. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's an important point to say. It's like it's it's this kind of continued commitment to each other, right? Uh, as one might even analogize into even personal relationships. Um, so. Even on with that analogy in mind, yeah, we kind of had that dating relationship for a while, right? Because of uh, the past relationship we had, working together, you know, kind of through the client service lens, and then becoming, you know, just closer as friends, uh, and then me, you know, kind of advising Pat on some business stuff before we tied the knot. So, 
we had the benefit of, of a lot of trust building and then that continues. Uh, it definitely continues. And I wouldn't just like take my eye off the ball there. Yeah. Um, specifically to the roles and responsibilities today, uh, I think very, very much that, you know, Pat and I are both visionaries, but they're complementary. Uh, and I actually think that that's often some uh, something just quite frankly of a trap that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs just don't see, you know, maybe when they're kind of considering themselves and where they are, if they have a lot of growth, you know, is that, you know, on the, say the operations and finance side, people out there that are maybe listening to this and, and self-identify with that, you can be a visionary for that body of work. Whereas, you know, on the creator side, certainly folks like Pat are fantastic visionaries when it comes to audience building, content creation and teaching. So yeah, th there's finding that, that harmony of roles and responsibilities uh, and not having, uh, I don't know, like titles sometimes or, or, or labels, I should say, you know, get in the way of, of understanding that, especially at this level, when we talk about partnerships and entrepreneurship, if people really band together with and, and fuse together, uh, I would say even, you know, a, a common vision for, you know, what a company can do, uh, especially if it's kind of entering its next chapter. I think that's really where the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And then you touched on something as well that one of my primary business partner, David Begins mentioned is. What, the reason our partnership worked well, and it sounds like yours is as well, is you're looking out for each other's best interest. Like you, you've you got each other's back. And that you could say that that's trust or whatever, but you genuinely are looking for what's best for the business, but also what's best for each other. Is that fair? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. Totally and first and foremost, <laughs> it's friends. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and making sure that, you know, Pat's in the spot where he can be present for his family and and you know, take care of what he needs to take care of and prioritize at home. And, you know, his kids are older than mine. I'm, I now have two young kids and I'm, I, I don't doubt for a millisecond, you know, that Pat doesn't support me and have my back as I'm now, you know, catching up uh, the, the speed, at least compared to him, you know, in terms of learning the ropes of uh, fatherhood and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So various podcasts now, Pat, obviously it started with smart passive income, now there's Ask Pat 2.0 and several other shows, but give me the summary, if you will, of everything that you're offering now. Oh, wow. Uh, so right now, actually, the big focus is community. In 2019, Matt and I and the rest of the team put together an event in San Diego to uh, live, bring entrepreneurs together and our community together, and we had some amazing speakers. Like this was a live event, a conference, two and a half days. It was it was amazing, some of the mm -hmm. best times I've had with my audience. And I remember we ran a survey afterwards, and it was really interesting because in the survey, we had asked like, what were your favorite parts? What were the things that you remember? The number one thing was all the stuff in between the things we planned. It was all the moments in the hallway, meeting people and collaborating and just kind of having dinner with people and coffee breaks and stuff. It, was, it wasn't it was the giant speakers who we brought in. It wasn't the big events that we ran and, and all that kind of stuff. It was the stuff in between. Mm -hmm. And we thought that was so interesting. It was, and, and that makes sense. I mean, those are the parts of events when I attend that I love as well. And we were like, okay, we get, we got to do this event again next year. It's going to be awesome. And of course, the year after 2019 was <laughs> 2020. And there was no way that we were going to host uh, an event again. Um, so we delayed that. We delayed it two years until we eventually said, you know what, let's just cancel this. Because we ended up creating in 2020 a way to still serve the audience in that way. But not in a way of presentations and live events like you would normally see in a virtual event. But more of a ongoing hallway, if you will, where people can connect. 
And so we ended up creating something called SPI Pro. And this was a online community. It's hosted on a platform called Circle. Circle, you might remember, is in uh, a company that both Matt and I uh, advise. Yep. Uh, but it's a tool that you can use to create essentially your community. And it's sort of like a great, amazing marriage between Slack and how organized that is with the channels and how easy it is to use there with the benefits of a Facebook group, like all in one plus you as the creator can control and have, you know, it's it's your place to own your community versus on somebody else's sandbox or rented platform. So um, we built SPI Pro, we launched it, we had like over 500 people come in upon launch. These are our founding members, we love them so much. Most of them are still in. And this is our first time also getting into a monthly recurring payment or some sort of recurring uh, instance of income in our business. So this was huge for us as well because it's always been one-time launches for courses or things like that, books and sponsorships and ads. This was the first time we've had a recurring income coming in. And not only that, more than anything, I have never out of the, at this point, 13 years of entrepreneurship that I've done, have never heard the kind of feedback that I've ever heard compared to what I've heard in SPI Pro as far as not just the access to certain things that they get as far as you know resources, but just the ability to connect and find people just like them. And these are people who go through an application process. These are people who ha already have established businesses, which is interesting because most of our audience are people who are just getting started. They're still within the first few thousand dollars of their business. SPI Pro, we wanted to build for the sort of next level entrepreneur who was in her audience who wasn't being served by the resources that we had already because they were already beyond that, but this is what they needed. They needed connection, belonging, uh, accountability. We've even go gone so far as to, uh, and credit to our community team for doing this, our CX team, um, do mastermind placement to connect people together and have them now meet formally uh, with with the SPI Pro is sort of the, the origin for where to find people to do that. Uh, we have experts come in, all this kind of stuff that happens in communities. We've, we've, we've done our best to serve that audience and it's gone so well that Circle in fact now uses our community, SPI Pro, as an example to new community members who sign up. Um, and it's just been incredible and, and really amazing. In fact, we're uh, creating a course with them right now, which is which is really cool. Uh, and then recently, we've come up with a way to serve uh, our people in our audience who are looking for specific information about certain uh, things like how to podcast, how to email market, how to do affiliate marketing. For years, since 2017, we've served those people who need specific solutions by creating one-off online courses. And those have worked really well. We've generated, I think, over $5 million in earnings from online courses since 2017. But we, uh, especially post-pandemic, realized that, you know, the course completion rates have gone down. People aren't really needing more information at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, they need community. They need accountability. So even though the courses were still selling, we completely changed our business model to focus around what we now called community-powered courses. So the ability to actually have access to our entire library of courses now. We don't sell, I mean, we still sell them one off if people want them, but that I, I wouldn't recommend that. I would recommend getting into what we now call the all-access pass, where you can get in, you get access to all the courses that you need, but access alone to them is actually, that, that can be overwhelming. 
it's actually access to the pathways through them that we've now set guidance for. We actually have team members in there to guide people through those courses. You get access to a community of people who are go going through them with you. And then my favorite part of this is something called accelerators where at certain times of the year, let's say we can go, okay, everybody who, and this is actually launching next week for us inside of All Access Pass, everybody who wants to do YouTube, you can go through our YouTube course, YouTube from scratch together. We'll have like a six week curriculum. Everybody's gonna go through the lessons at the same time. You don't need to show up on calls, but we're just gonna all do this together. And everybody's asking the same questions that are helping people because they're going through it at the same time. And the completion rates are mind blowingly better mm -hmm. because they are going through it with other people. Sure, that and makes so sense, yeah. It, it, it's incredible. And although we're quote unquote losing money up front because it's the difference between, you know, a $499 payment up front for access to one course versus what is the equivalent of $59 a month, what we're hoping is that people will now see the value that they get in here, the barrier to entry is lower, but want to move on to the next one and to the next one and stick around for the community. So ultimately, we have a higher lifetime value of a, of a student as well. And it's a win for everybody. And that's that's kind of how we like to do business where it's a win for everybody. So that's the model and where we're focusing now. And it's been just amazing to be able to take the lead on that because a lot of people are now coming to us saying, well, how did you do that? Can you teach us? We're actually Matt and I both, we are now um, working with another company who hired us to launch their communities and hmm. it, it's gotten to that level now, which is really cool. So I'm very proud of that and, and Matt and the team and everybody was was involved in it because this is what is best to serve our audience with right now. Excellent, thanks for sharing that. And that, uh, I, to find that, tell us where we go. Yeah, you could check out that at smartpassiveincome.com slash all access. And of course, there's the Smart Passive Income podcast. We have a really great newsletter. Uh, I write a story every week and it teaches how to get unstuck in something in your business at smartpassiveincome.com slash unstuck. And, you know, books and podcasts. But I mean, if you want to check out the all access pass and even just see what that's like and how we're running that and get inspiration for your own business from there, smartpassiveincome.com slash all access. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, I always ask a final question, final takeaway for, for each of you. Matt, for you, uh, I think the conversation here mostly focused on that transition, getting out of that corporate world for for both of you, different reasons as to what initiated, but nonetheless making that transition. So I'd like to ask you, Matt, if you could share one takeaway, that person who's listening, who is into that corporate environment now and might be in a great corporate environment like you were, what, what would you share? But but they have the aspiration to be an entrepreneur. What would you share with them? What, what piece of advice would you give them? I'd start by saying, like, learn a little more about what's driving maybe that interest. Uh, I'm a big proponent, again, of like self-study. Uh, you know, personality assessments, different things. And and uh, one resource in particular stands out to me, uh, Motivation Code. I think it's just motivationcode.com. There's a great book uh, written about it uh, that can really help you kind of unpack, you know, potentially that drive, uh, you know, to be an entrepreneur and, and seeing some of those then assessments and, you know, like how you kind of stack up on paper um, is just really insightful. And uh, I think if I had had a resource even more specific around like motivation, uh, not and not just like strength finders so like i love strength finders too uh that would be really helpful so before like making maybe a big decision uh you know while you're still inside you know the, the corporate job do a little more just self-reflection and kind of you know learn more about those underlying uh personality traits and, and core motivations to help inform your decision excellent thanks for sharing that pat for you the other big part of it that we've been talking about is partnerships working in partnerships 
What what is your takeaway if you would for us on for those of us who are considering going into a partnership? Yeah, two things. Number one, you can start small. You don't have to get married after the first date, right? You can work on small projects together and see what that's like and and take the time to really get to know each other. Um, You might have really good abilities that are, um, you know, perfectly blended with the other person, but personality is really important as well. So, so keep that in mind. And the second thing is when you do get into the formalities of the partnership, especially if you're starting a business together or there's some sort of thing like that, um, you definitely want to talk to other people who have partnerships. And this is why I think you're an amazing resource for that, Henry, because you've gone through that before. Um, you just want to learn about what you don't know you don't know about yet i mean there's there are a lot of things like i learned like oh we should probably talk about well what happens to the business if we have a disagreement how do we handle that uh what happens if one of us wants to exit is that okay what i mean all those kinds of hard decisions hard hard topics need to be talked about up front before and i've seen this too many times um before it happens and then nobody knows how to figure it out and then you know then you're not even friends anymore after that. And, and, and we don't want that to happen either. So there's a lot of great resources on YouTube and on podcasts. I've interviewed a number of people about business partnerships that have done well and also failed. Um, and then of course, uh, Henry, I'm sure you have resources for that as well. So just take it slow and, um, and, and, and also just be brutally, respectfully honest with each other. That's the other thing is it's important to be upfront uh, because that'll be better for not just the business, but also the relationship moving forward. Yep. Agreed. Thanks for sharing that. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more about the SPI Pro All Access. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you. If you want to check out the All Access Pass, smartpassiveincome.com slash all access. And if Pro, which is more the higher level business thing, uh, is more of interest to you, just spipro.com. Excellent. Matt, Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today and sharing your knowledge and experiences. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much, Henry. You as well, Henry. Thank you so much. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guests today were Pat Flynn and Matt Gartland. I release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.